Welcome to another episode of Fringe with me, your host, Joe Collins. So today we're joined by Mikkel Christensen. Today we're going to be talking about the rise of Danish youth Nazis. It's going to be some interesting conversation because Mikkel's done some investigations of his own into this. So that's why we're talking to him today. So hi, Mikkel. How are you doing? Hi, Joe. I'm good, man. Enjoying the summer. <laughs> Fantastic. So we'll kick it off today. Can you just provide an overview of like the rise of what what I just called Danish youth Nazis? What am yeah. I on about? Yeah, so thanks for having me first and foremost. Um, yeah, my name is Miguel, and, and I did this project with Danish Daily Paper Information about um, Danish youth Nazis moving around in like online forums uh, and spent like the better of a half a year like digging down to that and uh, undiscussing that. Um, and like if we talk about Danish youth Nazis, it's, it's clear that they're like. It's, I mean, it's like your classic neo-Nazi online type of guy moving around in far-right forms, um, getting propaganda off the internet, sharing it with other members. And like the explicit form that we follow was called Fallen's Front and had like this clear, um, like one point was it being like online and it was like an online form and people knew each other online, but also some of them had like a wish of uh, taking things to the physical world and like developing a... A formal organization in the physical world. So when we're talking about these Danish youth Nazis, they're both like your classic neo-Nazi far-right uh, online persona, but they're also some eventually are willing to like take things to um, the physical world. It's it's that kind of disturbing uh, evolution that makes them so interesting, realistically, mm, because mm. obviously not every youth fascist group decides to kick it into the real world. No, like, and, and some of the youths also, like, just hang around for fun, you know? Like, <laughs> me and you are probably both agreeing that this is not really fun sharing uh, uh, Prince and Taran videos and so on, but but some of them are, like, seeing this as just jokes online and taking things to an edgy level and so on. So I think it's also worth noting that this uh, ranges from, like, uh, edgy teenagers online to, um, like, hardcore real-life fascists. Mm. So... How did this emerge? How does it kind of tie into Scandinavia's history with fascism? Mm, I, I think it, if this, I don't think this particularly ties into like Scandinavian uh, fascist history. Like there's some elements we can touch on later, maybe like with the Nordic resistance movement and so on. But I think this form that we follow, like this is like there wasn't been done any journalism on. Uh, these far right online forms, but there has been done plenty of uh, journalism done on uh, like internationally about these forms. Like we had Iron March in the USA, and we had uh, we have big forms in like Germany and UK and, and Norway and Sweden and so on. Um, and they look exactly like Fatherland's Front looks like the form we followed, uh, like the <laughs> identical almost. Like they work on Discord and Telegram and so on, and have like. Uh, this online persona group going on and like we're there for each other but you know online but not in the physical world um so i think it more ties into like this like much wider scene we've seen on the far right scene of uh online forms emerging it has become a kind of global movement there yeah it really has really has like modern nazi exactly like iron march started in like 2013 i guess and Atomwaffen just sprung out of that and, and since then it's just been picking on you know so what are some of, some of the similarities? 
to like uh what do you think of to, to, to some of the american yeah um, yeah yeah um so um i mean what was really interesting for me was that um this film it was very clear that they drew inspiration from americans like a big part of how this film works was and that was kind of uh, like a bit baffling to me is how visually it was like of course there's thousands and thousands and thousands of chats and messages going on but there's thousands of videos going on also like um almost not almost but but really many videos and pictures and uh, propaganda chat with each other and it was clear to us that there was like an overload of Atomwaffen propaganda for example Atomwaffen division being this now defunct uh uh american neo-nazi movements like apply, uh, appealing for accelerationism and like the downfall of society uh it was clear to us that there was an overload of atomwaffen propaganda for example um and one of the guys that we followed and eventually tracked down he um called himself entrance online and it was clear to us that he was one of the ones appealing for like taking this to the physical world and one of the things he like put focus on was that we need to get um, military uniforms. We need to take up bungas. We need to make shelters and hardware depots in the woods. And this is like uh, drawn from Atomwaffen, like one to one. You know, this is directly applied from like the aesthetics and the um, method of action. So both propaganda wise, it's uh, imported heavily from like the U.S. Also with like active clubs and so on. Uh, but also like when they're then thinking about taking it to the physical world, they also find inspiration in Atom and likewise movements. Mm. So where do these young, I guess, men normally, where do they find each other? Um, it's funny you say men because like they're not really men. <laughs> those are those I mean I mean those are kids, like they I mean we have to look at them in some way like they're men, but but the ones we found and the ones we like eventually knocked on the doors at was like kids under 18 and some under 15. Uh, so, so I think that's like uh, important to have like in mind, but your question was, where do they find each other? Yeah. So, so it was clear to, to us and, uh, and me after digging around in this for like many, many months that these kids like um, know each other from uh, all sorts of, of, of places on the internet over the years. Like these were not just some kids uh, randomly founding each other one day and now we're going to create this Nazi movement. These were kids that have been in far right forms for many years. Uh, some of them eventually like comes on to uh, pick up on it from TikTok propaganda and so on. I can get back to that, how that works. But but like the many of the core members was like people that had known each other, some from real life, some from school, some from um other forms um but a way that fatherland's front like uh, recruited members was uh, both through uh, tiktok but also instagram at uh, tiktok they had like a tiktok profile that was open that had uh, a discord link on it and then boom click it you're in uh and the same with instagram pretty much um and what is also really interesting is that um the instagram side is like uh um it's like a collection of like Danish uh, uh, images from old days, like romantic era type images of beautiful women in the, you know, on the fields picking, uh, like uh, being on the field and just, you know, classic romantical images. Um, but if you look in the biography, there's like a small link to a telegram group and boom, click it, you're in. So what looks like just um, traditional values and so on and just a pretty much innocent side turns into um, a Nazi form real quick. 
So so they both know each other from like uh, I don't know if you can say old days, but the internet in in like a general broad term, and they know each other from from real life also. Mm. It's so wild to me how much of a catalyst social media has been for these groups. Yeah, it's really just made it so much easier to take it that step further. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, I think it's worth noting, like one of the methods we used in this to like gain access to this form at all was that uh, we created a TikTok account um, called uh, Based eighty eight, and if you just in spelled in Danish, and if you're familiar with like far right lingo online, you know that Based eighty eight is like uh, this is cool. I'm a Nazi. Eighty uh, eight for Hal Hitler, obviously. Um, and what was really interesting about this TikTok account was that. I just called it Base88, wrote I'm 19, uh, go to the gym. I think I wrote I'm an eco-fascist and like appreciate traditional values. And then I followed like 15, 20 far-right accounts. And in the span of three months, I had 1,000 followers on that account. 1,000 followers, that just says something about how the algorithm and especially like TikTok's AI algorithm works in just crazy babbling ways. And those 1,000 followers, you know, they weren't like uh, regular school kids. They were all far-right guys from all over europe really so so um yeah it's baffling how that works it almost streamlines people into the right places yeah, yeah terrifying definitely. Mm. and with your research uh, i think one of the most interesting parts about it was kind of who it came out to be some of these people they were quite important or they were the children of quite important people, some of them, weren't they? Um, yeah, yeah, you could you could say that. Yeah, um, one of the like the leader of the form. Um, I'm gonna be on a on a note of how much I can say about it. But but um, the leader of the form was uh, like it wouldn't take many Google searches if you knew his name to find out who he was and what he has been doing before. Uh, you can say, and so, yeah, uh, public name. Yeah. Hmm. Again, it makes it it's and just another kind of layer of intrigue Definitely. to the whole uh, story. Both me, both me and Ida, who edited the tragic wit from uh, Danish Daily Paper information, uh, when we found out that, just looked at each other and like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like my mom would knew what this was kind. Of. So yeah. Did you face any trouble afterwards? Um. Yeah. <laughs> I. I. Yeah, we did. Um also gonna be moving on a line on how much i can really get into <laughs> this but um yeah it's not like a month and a half ago the police called me and told me to stay indoors for like the next couple of hours um i think that's what i can say about that <laughs> and then you can lay in it to it whatever you want kind of yeah very fair yeah so earlier on we kind of touched on the nordic resistance movement yeah how does how do the two tie in together um, so the thing that we found out in our research was that the Nordic resistance movement actually have had Discord service for a long time now. Um, they stopped making Discord service and moved to Telegram in 2021. But from 2018 to like 2021, they had a Discord server and they had multiple Discord servers that often got banned. Um, but it was clear to us after months of research that some of these individuals know, knew each other from the Nordic resistance movement Discord. And like a lot of the members don't really move around uh online a lot more also the nordic resistance movement have like uh, died a bit down in the last couple of years but there's still some people uh, like hanging around um and in Fatherland front like the form we followed where like the average age watch 
like 16, I guess, um, there were individuals of, of uh, Nordic resistance movement hanging around and especially like the editor of uh, Norfront.dk, the Danish uh, side of uh, Nordic resistance movement, the editor of their website was hanging a lot around in these forms. And what was really interesting was like, um, um, they were actually recruiting. They were sometimes posting a link. Like, if you're interested in taking things to the next level, you can click this link and go online. But also, what was interesting was that um, a member of Fallon's Front, who we called Sophie in our article, she was uh, she's a minor. I can't say her age, but she was under fifteen. Um, she eventually got a link to the Nordic Resistance Movement and was told that you can join the site if you um, want to take things to the next level. Um, and she clicked the link and she wrote in the chat like. Um, why do I have to write my address? Like, uh, that's a bit uh, scary and so on. And this guy um, from the Nordic Resistance Movement quickly came with a nice and uh, beautiful written answer. When we do social gatherings and so on, and we meet each other and make do real and uh, nice things in real life, we need to know your address so we know where to hang out and such. And just like uh, spoken in such a low-key uh, day-to-day manner, like... It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, and and like one of the most like hardcore members we uh, were keeping an eye on, we called him Gustav in our article. He was a fifteen-year-old kid um, living in Denmark, and we were up like we con- confrontated like four of these members and their parents to to ask them what they think about what the kids are doing online. And we were up visiting Gustav in uh, yeah in Denmark. <laughs> of course, can't disclose where, but but we were visiting him and. Uh, we were like asking him about like so what do you think about all this shit um and we asked you say that you want to join the nordic resistance movement when you're 16 um why is that and mind you he was sitting next to his mother um so he said well i think they're the only one that can fix the problems uh and she asked the only one yeah the only one like stone cold face like so um he was uh obviously like radicalized believing that these real-life neo-Nazi hardcore guys was, like, the way to go. The Modern Insurgent is completely independent. If you want to support our work and help boost independent journalism, please consider supporting us via Patreon at patreon.com slash moderninsurgent. Thank you very much. So what are some of the key challenges faced by the authorities in kind of dealing with this? Yeah, um, so a thing that has stood clear to us after publishing the articles, because we got a lot of positive backlash from authorities and also been giving speeches to the police and such, and people actually working with de-radicalization, um, a, lot, a thing that became very clear to us, both after talking to them uh, during the research, but also visiting these kids, are that um, I had imagined that some of the kids I would be visiting was like uh, loud and noisy, you know, uh, smoking cigarettes on the corner or something like that. Not just, I mean, it's not that shocking after all, but but I would imagine that at least some of them would have been a bit more noisy, but they aren't. Like they are just shy kids in their mother's basements uh, typing away on the internet and not making much noise in real life. So I mean, like teachers and parents and um authorities have a huge like a huge task in finding these kids because they don't make like how would you discover they're on the fucking computer on discord like any other 15 year old kid uh differences they're playing fortnite and these guys are showing propaganda you know um so so what authorities have to do like kind 
like I don't know like specifically, but I just know that this is a huge task and just keeping an eye on them and knowing who they are is like a, um, a challenge in itself. But also like some of the experts we talk to who do speeches on this regularly, obviously mentions things like uh, be aware if your child starts to uh, talk about Andrew Tate or like uh, really phantomize these uh, far right uh, individuals and so on. Yeah. So, so yeah, what to do specifically is a big, big challenge. And I think that most countries all over Europe has this challenge. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna ask, uh, gonna have to ask an expert to get a more <laughs> concrete answer. Did any of the people you confronted, um, like, did any of their parents share any similar beliefs, or was it uh, did it all exist in isolation? Yeah, yeah, um, it's a, it's a really good question because you would think that at some of these homes you would at least been greeted by like some uh, traditional values or like some conservative values or something like that. Uh, but but there really wasn't. Uh, these were really regular homes with uh, real educated parents, uh, good homes. It looked like like nothing on the obvious turning out. Um, so so the short answer is no. But what was really interesting was that. Uh, multiple of these kids online were like giving uh, expression for that. Uh, I come from a home of like uh, my dad was a Nazi or something like that. It just turned out like your dad is a hippie, bro. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a a cult play like aspect mm. to it all. Mm. It seems quite like idealistic in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. Like, um, I think like the. I'm thinking many of these kids, you know, they shop around in ideologies for like uh, a couple of years and they they jump out of that like internet ideology scene. Like we kept an eye on some of the individuals in the in the month coming. Uh, and, you know, in the span of two months, some of them were like, oh, I'm not a Nazi anymore. Now I'm just a conservative. <laughs> so, you know, it's all really in, in the head and that's something that uh, it's like figuring in, in shape like a real uh, ideology. It shops around uh, very often. Yeah fascinating so what kind of public response did you get from your investigation um so yeah either i did the the story where she was she was one of the only journalists in denmark who like had done pieces on like the far right scene before so that's also why i contacted her and pitched this project to her and she's been mind you a journalist for i guess 15 years now or something and like she haven't seen this big of a response to a story she did before she told me like she was also very overwhelmed by it so like it was a big story and got really far out and like uh, it was also on the biggest news podcast in Denmark to talk about and so on um so that has obviously like for your own ego wouldn't have been great but but we also got like contacted by police to like come out and do speeches for them and for anti-radicalization folks to do speeches for them to tell them about what we found and like to tell you the same things I'm telling you now and just letting them know how we see this and what we found in our research and who these kids were. Um, and when I did, when we did one of those presentations, I was almost like overwhelmed afterwards because it was just a uh, guy after guy after woman after woman coming out to us and being like, thank you so much for doing this, man. So we really needed this. We really needed someone to find out what was happening because we all seen it, but we didn't know what it was. Um, so, so the response from like experts and people who actually deal with this has been overwhelming, and and we could also tell that it's been really important. Um, so, yeah, both uh, experts have been very happy to have it. Uh, it's also clear that it's something like the public 
in some way has wanted to have like uh, it was taking people was really fond of it um, and got really far out also in the meantime of releasing the story there was like the first case of like a far-right youth being arrested and trialed for uh, terrorist activities and then like a 16 year old kid who uh, joined the Fire Creek division a subgroup of Atomwaffen so it was just uh, it was just in a blast of far right on the news and the story coming out so it's like a perfect storm I guess for uh, for it to get the attention it really uh, deserved yeah it's fantastic the reaction that it did get because it's well deserved because it's incredible work thank you how does the presence of the far right impact the broader Danish society? Do you think? Um, so, like a thing that was kind of um, a thing these youths talked to was like they wanted to push the Overton window, and the Overton window is like this uh, applying like uh, extremist uh, talking points to the public space, so you can move like the normal perception of what normal is. Um, and it was clear, to, uh, they talked about this, obviously, that a point of, like, the following round was to move the Overton window, so, like, uh, some of these extras narrative was more acceptable in the in the public. And, you know, it's just clear that when it moves from, like, being 100 kids online to, like, being uh, 300 Nazis on the street with the Nordic Resistance movement, when it goes to being uh, 1,000 members of, like, uh, <laughs> a hardline, which is a far-right Danish party, you know, um, you know, Actually, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to be a journalist and be object, objective on this in some way or another, but I just know, I think all the science says that uh, the more these uh, forms and the more this these talking points pop up, yeah, the more normalized they are and the more they find their way into uh, public speeches. Now, like, the we have a, a board debate going on in Denmark now, and we didn't have that a few years ago, and if you ask me, that's just directly imported from like American talking points because no one is giving a fuck about abortion in Denmark. You know, it's not we got good regulation on it and so on. So yeah, I don't know what impact is to broader society. I guess, uh, I guess like what I would be worried about is like these Andrew Tate figures popping up. You know, be on the lookout for kids like really looking up to these figures. Yeah. Do you think the trajectory is only going to go down? Do you think there's a bigger chance for violence in the future and it just getting worse? Mm, you're thinking of like the far right team. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Fatherland's Front is like coming with a few years of delay, you could say. Like it has been a thing in like uh, most other Western countries for years, these far right communities. So it's coming mm. a bit delayed. But what we're seeing now on the far right scene is these active clubs popping up more and more, which are like. Uh, fitness freaks and fighting freaks coming together to like beat up people on the street and uh, you know I've, I've been seeing like the first um, like uh, seeds of that in some of these forms and I've been seeing like the first seeds of people like going together to meet to train and work out and fight uh, we also see it with another far right group Generation Identity which has uh, you know a much more broader acceptance in society um, coming together to fight and train so I, I think that uh, I think that if uh, something that I would be on the lookout for that, uh, especially like these active clubs and this um, normalization and both practice and uh, yeah of violence. I think that uh, you know having focus on your physical fitness and your body and like this oh, sigma uh, <laughs> status. You know, I think that is becoming more and more uh, yeah clear. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, in your opinion, what steps should be taken to kind of counter this influence of the far right? 
Um, yeah, so so we talked to a lot of experts uh, and uh, specialists in this in this topic during our research, uh, both to a few national experts, but also to international recognized professors in deradicalization. Uh, and I think the most clear cut answer these people gave to us is that um, it doesn't start with like uh, shouting at your kids and telling them that you're wrong and you can't be a Nazi. The, the thing is starting to ask your kids what is going on, actually, Some, like what are you doing online? Who are you talking to and who are you influenced by? Um, so I think it's seeing these kids not as, you know, uh, the, of course, there's uh, <laughs> views to this, but I don't think it's always seeing a kid as like hardcore radicalized and on the verge to commit a terror attack. I think it's also like seeing a kid going through like maybe an edgy state, maybe uh, just a few years of hanging too much on the internet, watching dumb shit. Um, but also I think like there's a huge gap here between parents and kids because what was obvious to us was that these parents had no fucking clue what was going on with the kids. You know, they didn't know what Discord was and let alone what Telegram was and what the encrypted chat was. But like, um, so I think like both, of course, authorities have their way of dealing with this, but I think like parents uh, just digitally educating themselves and what the fuck is going on online and what are these social media. I think that really has a big role to play um because you know i did this also by myself when i was 15 you know just sitting on my computer unfiltered watch, watching shit and i think a lot of kids do that um but the problem is some of these kids end up in fucking far-right forms uh so if you're a parent you fucking you know ask about your children ask what they're doing online i think uh and just know your way around uh online life you know there's no reason to for a parent at 15 years to not know what the fuck telegram is uh yeah. honestly yeah yeah, I think a lot of people kind of our age speak about the internet when they were younger and how they saw a cartel beheading and, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and yeah. specifically remembering that. I think yeah, parents yeah, yeah. need to realise that now it's different. It's your kid can end up a Nazi by 20 minutes on Discord. If he, exactly, if he... exactly. And you know, like this, uh, the story hadn't been pieced together if it wasn't for TikTok again. Like I just discovered one of these profiles on TikTok, suddenly randomly browsing through stupid videos one day. And then someday I was like, this shit is anti-Semitic and this is a Danish guy. So it just started there. So just be on the fucking lookout for what is going on online. I think it's yeah, similar stuff. I even the research I do right now, one of the podcast episodes, I was looking for Slavic um history, trying mm. to find an Instagram account. All I found was Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, it it really is everywhere. Even if Can you I... don't know where to look. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like, Instagram has your cookies now. They know that you looked at Nazi once, now they're going to probably recommend it to you in, like, a few days or something. And you're going to scroll right past it, or and maybe not. And if you don't, like, that's going to go two days more, and then we can more Nazi stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's fully how it happens. And say if that happens to, say, a 14-year-old instead of someone exactly. that kind of understands what's going on, it's exactly. a dangerous and game. Yeah, and you know, me and you both are adult people. Like, we got that filter to know that we're looking at uh, white supremacist uh, videos right now. But a fourteen-year-old don't fucking know what is going on. And I think it's also like worth mentioning here at the end that um, a lot of the experts we talked to mentioned that uh, looking at, especially those like Brenton Tarrant videos and so on, uh, normalize violence, and it also does something to a child's brain to look at this shit. Um, and me and Ida both, like, when we watched those videos at first, we were like, oh, fuck, this is, oh, fuck, I don't want to watch this, you know. But, like, 10 minutes later, 
Ten, I mean, ten minutes later, we're like, this is, yeah, whatever. Uh, I've seen this plenty of times. And I imagine if you look at that shit over the course of two years, man, what it does to your brain. So, yeah. 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 I was talking with a friend just yesterday and we were saying about how it's even just like the Instagram OSINT accounts. Mm. I see people die every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is just, it's a mad thing to even think about every exactly. single day. Exactly. Uh, and you know, it, you can't undermine that it will, it does something to your brain in some way or another. Then I don't know if it, it decreases empathy or if it just makes you don't care about people dying, but it does something to your brain that is probably not that good. But hey, this is the, the things we're doing. So <laughs> 2023. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, kind of a final question. Um, yep. what are the long term implications if this grows unchecked? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like we saw what happened with like uh, Iron Marsh was was this uh, primarily American forum uh, where where far right extremists got together at first online in like this modern day meme memeish internet culture uh, communities, and you know we saw what happened with with Iron Marsh. It just span out of complete control and like made the foundation of like Asimov, which went on to commit terrorist attacks. Um, like I'm killing multiple people, um, and it was also clear to us that um, some of those youths, and especially like Gusto, he was uh, hardcore about like he wanted to commit violence. Like he wrote a specific message, like give me two hundred dollars and I'll kill you. And uh, two minutes later, posted a picture of a knife. Uh, so I mean, and just thought on this front went on for like two months before it was shut down by Discord. Um, imagine what happens if this went on for another year and they just, you know, just bowed each other up and, you know, it's like a spiral down effect. Like one guy uh, tells the other guy to arouse and the other guy arouses from that and then, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. So, so I mean, the longer the longer time this goes on, the, the longer it like has the ability to like develop into something more than just a few kids online uh, chatting shit to each other, the more it like develops into uh, having that physical dimension, the more dangerous it just gets. Um, like as one of the experts told us, like a few kids meeting online, maybe what it is, but we only need one guy with a weapon before we get a serious issue. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it also makes me think that the content moderation teams at Discord and Telegram are God's strongest soldiers. <laughs> I mean, like Discord took two months to to uh, ban Valor and Shrun. I don't know if two months is a long time or not, but I mean, a lot of shit happened in two months, that's for sure. Like a lot of shit really uh, accelerated in those two months, and and Valor and Shrun really took many turns in those two months um both online but also physically so i mean i don't know if discord should be fast on this they probably should but i also just know that probably as a um, i mean telegram is like owned by two russian guys and located in dubai like it's not like western governments are gonna have any good time like persuading them into like giving up shit on on their users so i mean and you know you can shut it down from like the eu side and like from brussels and so on but uh, give it like two days and you got another encrypted uh, safe uh, platform to use so I don't know what the fuck these governments are going to do about this man I'm happy I'm only a journalist I don't have to deal with this okay I couldn't agree more <laughs> yeah for real for real so is there anything you're going to investigate next do you have any other ideas 
Mm, I mean, this has been really fun doing. Also, I've been like only a journalism student at the first, um, my first semester while doing this. And also from here, from 1st of August, I'm going to intern at uh, Danish Daily Paper Information as a journalist for a year. So I'm really happy about that. But me and Ida both look at each other after three months of investigating this. And for me personally, uh, a few months longer, like we need a fucking break from this now. So I don't want to be in any Telegram groups anymore, bro. So like, I mean, I go into a Nazi Telegram once and I just can't do this again. Uh, so I'm really happy to like start this internship and just like write regular news and <laughs> something that is not online and let me fucking write about uh, tractors or fields and regulations and shit like that. Like I need a break from this. Um, but yeah, we we're definitely keeping a lookout uh, for what is going on and also just sometimes like looking in what is going on. How are you guys going out again? Um, but yeah, we'll see in the future. Maybe something more to come. Fantastic. And if any of our listeners want to find you on social media, where can they do that? Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, MNH uh, Christensen. Uh, I think it's easier if you leave a link to it in the bio. It's a Danish surname, so I'm, I'm not going to try and spell that out. But MNH Christensen uh, on Twitter, yeah. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you Yeah, very thank much. you. Thank you, Joe. Talk to you later. Bye.